Hello everybody and welcome to the first ever episode of Football Friday. It feels it feels really good to be doing this. Um, a podcast is something that I've been wanting to start for a very long time. Um, so I'm really glad to, to be here and share with you the, the match week 15 of the Premier League. Um, you know, I'm only starting halfway through, but hopefully you'll enjoy the insight uh, I have into each of the, the 10 games. And um, yeah, hopefully there'll be more episodes after this. You know, there's there's games uh, being played as I'm recording this at the minute. So I'm hoping to, to record a match week 16. Uh, a quick introduction into kind of why I started this podcast. Um, something that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. I just love watching football. I like all the games. Um, the name Football Friday, you might you might think that kind of only up, upload on Friday, but I just thought it had a nice kind of ring to it. I like football, and and Friday's a pretty good day of the week. So um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive straight into the games and and hope you enjoy. Um, and the early game of the week was Leicester versus Manchester United. Um, so to quickly take you through this game, uh, highly anticipated second versus third at the time of the game um, being played. And we had Marcus Rashford take the lead for Manchester United after missing a very clear opportunity with a header. Um, or very early on in the second minute, I think it was, Rashford missed uh, an absolute sitter. Um, not known for his heading, but you know, uh, as a top-level uh, forward in the Premier League, you'd expect that to go in. Um, Bruno Fernandes, again getting in on the assist, managed to just stretch and, and ensure Rashford uh, had the easy finish then to put it past Kasper Schmeichel. Um, following this Harvey Barnes scored a great goal with his left foot fantastic finish um, you could say maybe from a Manchester United point of view not closed down quick enough by Scott McTominay however it was Bruno Fernandes that lost the ball on the edge of the box so uh, yeah I think on that one it was a it was a culpable uh, culpable team team blame um, following that again towards the end of the game Edinson Cavani coming off the bench and we all know how much of an impact he makes um, in the games these days for Manchester United, you know, a lot of people kind of kind of doubted him at first, but I think he's proven to be a very very important player for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, um, and he came on and got the assist for Bruno Fernandes, who again seems to continually come up with the goods, um, and that was in the 82nd minute at a point where the game really did look done and dusted, only for Jamie Vardy to get in on the act uh, towards the end uh, after a cross from Iose Perez, where Vardy simply peeled off his man and put it in the back of the net. Um, I think it did go out, go down as an Axel Twanzebi own goal, but it just proves the quality that um, Jamie Vardy has. You know, he was he was quiet all game, but at the end uh, he 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 came in big. Um, so the points points were shared at at that game at the King's Par- King Power Stadium, should should I say? But um, yeah, Manchester United and Leicester. It was a very even game overall, and I feel like both teams will feel that it was a, a fair result. Um, the draw. Um, so yeah. That was the first game of the match week 15. Moving on to the second game, which was Fulham and Southampton, a nil-nil draw here um, with Theo Walcott uh, scoring towards the end, but uh, Che Adams was actually offside. Um, so the the points were shared again in, in the Fulham and Southampton game. Um, Danny Ings was, was out for that game again after being injured in, in the last game. Um, a big loss for Southampton as as the the forward pairing of Che Adams and, and Ings seem to have complemented each other well, um, but they 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 just couldn't seem to find uh, find the goal, um, apart from the the Walcott goal obviously which was offside. Um, Fulham again still struggling down at the bottom of the table. Uh, Scott Parker looks like he's getting a lot of time. The owners are very patient with him. Um, 
we can't say the same with West Brom, who who have recently replaced uh, Slavin Bilic with with Sam Allardyce, and you can you can clearly see their intentions with that appointment. But um, yeah, again, Fulham struggling, and Southampton seem to seem to be getting a lot of consistency under under Ralph Hasenhutl. Um, when you look back to the the nine nil defeat they had last season against Leicester, you kind of thought that could be the end for him. But he he's definitely turned things around, and the the four four two system that he's playing with Southampton with um, Oriel Romeu and James Ward Prowse in the midfield are, are providing a lot of a lot of joy. So um, it's looking tough for Fulham um, in terms of Southampton. I would look at a, a mid table finish, but you can definitely see the improvements um, that they're making. Um, on to the third game, we had Aston Villa versus Crystal Palace. Now, Bertrand Traore took took the lead for Villa with a, a, a very good early goal. Um, following this, Tyrone Mings seemed to be tussling with Wilfred Zaha a lot of the game. Um, the first tussle uh, providing a yellow card for Mings. Um, shortly after uh, another tussle with Zaha, it resulted in a red card for Mings after two yellows. Um Ollie Watkins looked like a threat all game with, with Courtney House actually getting in on the goal after a Watkins header hitting the crossbar and House following it in um, for the second for Villa. Towards the end then, uh, El Ghazi hit an absolute stunner into the, the top corner to, to settle the points for Villa. Um, and as well as that, I'd like to mention the, the one of the Grealish passes to Ollie Watkins, which was was an absolutely fantastic pass you know Grealish when he doesn't score or assist he's he's still uh he's still heavily heavily involved with with the games and the outcome of Villa's uh overall results but um the pass was unbelievable if you haven't seen it definitely check it out uh uh basically Grealish just kind of coming in off the left and Watkins making a kind of diverted run um in the opposite direction and Grealish barely even looks at him and manages to slide him in only for Watkins to hit the post so um yeah three three goals for Villa and three points. Um Villa are actually looking very good, you know. I think they're they're kind of a dark horse this season because of the fact that um they have their game in hand from the first game week and as well as that they they were unable to play um one of the other games I actually forget the opponent but um they they have two games in hand and they're looking in a very strong position when you look at the 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 state of the top 4, you know. I I do believe they're going to fall off but I think they're definitely a dark horse in the fact that you have to look out for them. They've got a lot of danger men, you know, Grealish, Watkins, and and they seem to be set up very well. So um, Villa looking good. And Palace, you know, Palace can, can come in with a very good performance. One week you look back at the uh, the result they got at home to Leeds and you think, wow, you know, they have something good together when, when even Zaha and Benteke were getting in on the act. But they just have a knack of just losing games and winning games turning up and I think that's the story of uh, Roy Hodgson and Palace you know very inconsistent but with the players uh, Roy has at his disposal I don't think you can expect an awful lot more moving on to the fourth game of the week Arsenal versus Chelsea now we all know how much Arsenal are struggling at the moment um, sitting uh, 14th on the table I believe 15th um, at the time of this being played and uh, early on in the game Lacazette uh, scored a penalty to put Arsenal on the front. Now the the penalty itself was quite a controversial one because Kieran Tierney uh, was was able to skip past Reese James, um, and uh, as he was moving into the box, he he moved back into James, thus feeling contact and going down. Now as 
as a defender, you, you'd feel very bad for Reese James because all he's simply doing is chasing down Tierney. But at the same time, you can see how smart it is from Tierney to to see that he might not be able to get the cross in. So to kind of back into Reese James, get the contact, and and ultimately VAR cannot rule um, against that because it's not a clear and obvious error. So very smart play from Tierney, and uh, Lacazette was able to to take the lead, um, shine a bit of hope on on a per season for Arsenal so far. Uh, following this, uh, we had a free kick from the edge of the box, and Granit Xhaka stepped up, and was an absolute stunner into the top top right corner. You know, Xhaka's um, Granit Xhaka's been under a lot of a lot of scrutiny, uh, having been sent off in the last game. Um, a lot of disciplinary issues, you know, going on at Arsenal. I think Xhaka is one of the ones that is mainly culpable, but in this game especially, he he stepped up big time, and and I think. Um, he just has it in him. He has his rash moments, but he also has his good games, and I think that's that's simply the story of Granit Xhaka's career at Arsenal. Um, after that amazing free kick, Arsenal went in two 0 up at half time. Um, in the second half, uh, Bukayo Saka, Arsenal's shining light really this season, uh, put in what looked like a cross, but it went over the top of Edward Mendy into the top corner again. Um, and it just everything just seemed to go Arsenal's way here, kind of the opposite. Um of the rest of the season you know Chelsea were very poor in this game didn't take their chance as well but Bukayo Saka was able to to beat um, Mendy uh, with the the looping ball over his head um, you know Saka's definitely been Arsenal's best player this season in my opinion and and it's looking like here at 3-0 you know could this be a, a turning point for Mikel Arteta um, Tommy Abraham then chested in a consolation goal which which didn't really mean much for Chelsea in the end you know Chelsea are they have it in them again that they they've lost four games now this season when you include that result against Arsenal, um, and when you kind of look at it, you think, how is how is Lampard kind of not under much more pressure than he actually is? Um, maybe it's the English the English media the the media bias. It's hard to know, but with all the players at Lampard's disposal, you look at uh, Timo Werner who's not been firing, Kai Havertz again, not been firing either. Um, it's it's difficult to see why Chelsea are, are playing the way they are but I think um, the next few games will, will define Chelsea's season um, at the time I'm recording this they've got Aston Villa today so it'll be interesting to see how they get on there but again I feel Lampard could be under pressure if um, if Chelsea Chelsea don't seem to, to sort themselves out moving on to um, match 6 of game week 15 uh, we've got Man City against Newcastle it was it was interesting to see how Manchester City would line up with with no no Jesus and Walker um, they, they were out due to COVID-19 testing positive um, and again Aguero not fully fit yet so uh, Pep went for kind of a Sterling Torres and Bernardo Silva front three with them interchanging but but Torres um, seemed to be the main man um, Gundogan was able to get on the score sheet early on with a Sterling assist Um uh it was a very kind of routine win for Manchester City, the the usual where they'd kind of pepper the goal the whole time, um, continually kind of going at Newcastle. Um, and again, then the, the second goal came for, for Torres. Um, yeah, routine win for City. Um, it's difficult to predict what they're going to do this season. They're, they're Again, they're very inconsistent. You know, drawing at home to, to West Brom, drawing the game against Leeds early on in the season, you, you kind of think... Is, is the rebuild job for, for Guardiola. It's something that he's never done, kind of going into Barcelona, ready-made team, Bayern Munich, ready-made team. Um, Man City, when he came, was was a ready-made team. And now he's at a point where a lot of the, the players are aging. So it's going to be very interesting, I think, to see 
how far Pep can can push Liverpool, um, and how much he can actually get out of these these new players he signed. He's got Torres in, he's got Ake in, and it's going to be interesting to see how how good Pep um, really is. So um, that was that for match six. Moving on to match seven was Sheffield United versus Everton. Uh, Sigurdsson scored a goal late on, which was a fantastic team goal. Um, to give Everton the win and the three points. Um, Sheffield United look to be really, really struggling. They're down at the bottom. But it, it's interesting when you look at their results. They're they're losing games, but it's it's by very little kind of fine margins. They're, they're, they're losing by one goal. I remember I looked back at the Manchester United game where they lost 3-2. They had some very promising moments there. Um, and they just they just can't seem to find the back of the net really. When you look at the signings they've made, they have Ren Brewster from who they signed from Liverpool, twenty five million. To me, that was a very strange strange signing. And they've got a lot of strikers at the club. They've got McBurney, McGoldrick. Um, I think it's maybe creating the chances that are that are letting Sheffield United down. But it's it's looking like a very tough season for them. And it'll be interesting to see um, if Chris Wilder is able to turn it around after a fantastic season last year. So we'll just have to wait and see with Sheffield, but uh, it's not looking good. As for Everton, they're they're looking very strong even with um James Rodriguez out injured. They've they've had kind of small niggly injuries, but they seem to be able to come up with the goods when they can. Um, and I think they're my my outside shout for kind of maybe a top four place just because of the brand new midfield they have of Decore Alan, who's also been injured. But um, you know when when you look at their best team when everybody's fit, it, it's very strong. So I'm excited to see what Everton have for the rest of the season. Uh, game week, uh, game eight of game week fifteen is Leeds versus Burnley. Um, Leeds were able to come away with a one nil win in that game, but it didn't tell the whole tale of uh the game at all. Patrick Bamford going down uh, after a Nick Pope foul in the box, um, definite penalty, um, and he was able to tuck that penalty away into the top right corner. Um, Burnley then had a very strange goal, uh, disallowed, um. Ben Mee going up for a header in the box. Only eyes for the ball with his back to goal. And the, the Leeds keeper, Melier, uh, absolutely cleans him from behind, kind of knee into the back. Um, after Melier spills the ball, Ashley Barnes puts the, the ball back into the, the back of the net. Um, and the ref had already blown for a foul against Burnley. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this, but it seemed to be a foul um, by Ben Mee on the keeper. With, with But when you look at the video, Ben Mee's... Um, looking at the ball and and Melier is kind of the one that commits the foul so I was very confused at that one um uh, VAR I think unable to intervene because of the fact that uh, the whistle was blown before the ball was in the back of the net but um again you could see how un- unhappy Sean Dyche was at the end of the game questioning the the physicality of the Premier League with with a lot of the penalties being given for soft fouls and yet uh, when when the Leeds United keeper was 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 taking out Ben Mee with with his knee um he he got nothing, so you can see how how Sean Dyche and Burnley feel hard done by, but Leeds coming away with the three points there. Um, the ninth game was Liverpool versus West Brom, where Sadio Mane got off to a great start, um, with uh where he volleyed home Joel Matip's cross. Um, Liverpool again looking on top all game, but uh, only for an Ajayi header towards the game, which is a fantastic finish into the far corner. It was a real snatch and grab from Sam Allardyce. Um. Yeah, you know, Big Sam has a has a tendency to get get the points when he's appointed. Um, Joel Matip going off injured, uh, kind of halfway through the game as well. Another injury to Liverpool's injury list, but um, hopefully, hopefully they they can continue to get on well. 
Um, they've got uh, Thiago coming back, who's back in training. I think they've got Milner coming back too. So again, Liverpool looking very strong um, at the top of the table there. And it's difficult to see who's going to compete with them um, for the Premier League title because the the level of consistency that Jurgen Klopp has gotten out of these players is is nothing short of astonishing. So we'll, we'll have to see. But uh, yeah, uh, the points shared there, West Brom and Liverpool. So... Uh, a valuable point for West Brom who who are trying to kind of get as many points as they can to escape this relegation battle that they're currently in um, and Liverpool obviously disappointed not to get the three because it was a huge chance to peel away from the rest of the pack in terms of uh, the title that they're, they're chasing uh, the last game of the day was Wolves versus Spurs again another 1-1 draw uh, Spurs took the lead very early through Ndombele um, who who's been playing really really well actually? Um, anytime I watch Ndombele, it's interesting. He's he's playing in kind of a number ten position, which um which he didn't play at Leon. So Mourinho seems to be kind of getting the best Ndombele back. When you look at um he he struggled a lot last season, so it's good to see that um that Tanga Ndombele is is getting back to kind of the best football that he was playing back in Leon. Um, Wolves uh, equalized late on uh, a Pedro Neto um corner into Roman Sice. Um, Sice with a flicked header into the far corner um, and Mourinho won't, won't be happy with that for Spurs um, again it was it was a strange game in that Spurs took the lead very very, very early on but they, they didn't really attack the game and try and finish Wolves off, they kind of left the door wide open for Wolves, the second half was largely dominated by, by Wolves um, kind of attacking the box Adama Traore, Neto um, Pedence, all, all huge threats and uh, Spurs weren't really able to put the game to bed so um, they kind of have to look at themselves there whether that's Mourinho tactics or whether that's um, just the players themselves not going going for the kill um, it, it's up for debate but again huge chance for Spurs to, to move up on the table with United dropping points Liverpool dropping points um, yeah it, Spurs are looking very good at the start of the season but you know, you know the doubts that everybody has around Spurs. Do they have the quality to the quality and experience to see it through? Um, and with recent results, you you have to say no. Um, that is all the games for for match week fifteen. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the the first episode of this Football Friday podcast. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping to be able to do this uh, every every week. Um at a minimum after every game week definitely uh, and hopefully maybe some some special um some special episodes in between kind of discussing the season so far as i'm only starting halfway through and, and maybe some january transfers um so if you did enjoy um make sure to hit the follow button i guess and, and I'll, I'll be back for more so thank you for listening mm-hmm.